Blood Covenant, Part 3 The Great Exchange So now that we know what happened on the cross and the price Jesus paid for us to come back into fellowship, relationship with God the Father. We talked at the last part of podcast two about the great exchange that took place with Jesus as our representative, our substitute, as our kinsman, redeemer. And this podcast will look at what the great exchange actually is. And it's absolutely incredible. Because Jesus gets our sin and we get his righteousness. He tells us that in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. This righteousness that we receive, it's got nothing to do with anything that we have done. It's all based upon what Jesus did for us. His grace. It's the grace of God. And this righteousness, it's the same as what God the Father and Jesus have. I mean, this is incredible. There's no upper or lower level. And that's why we can come boldly and with confidence before our Father with our prayer requests. Hebrews 4 verse 16. So this is absolutely incredible. The great exchanges, not just one, many, and I'll explain them in this podcast, that have been made available to us through our kinsman redeemer, Jesus Christ. So that was the first one there. Jesus gets our sin, we get his righteousness, right standing with God based on what Jesus is and did. The second thing is Jesus gets our sin nature we get his divine nature. Galatians 2 verse 20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered himself up for me. And in 2 Peter 1 verse 4 it says, For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises in order that by them you might 
become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. So our old man was placed upon Jesus at the crucifixion and we became new creations in Christ, our new identity, because we received his divine nature. I mean, we need to grasp this. We become like Jesus, fully human, but also with a divine nature. We become one with him in the eyes of God, our Father. So we're in union with him through covenant. Absolutely incredible. And that's the basis for talking about us being in Christ. We talk about that a lot. Who we are in Christ. It's our new identity. The old's passed away. Behold, all things become new. We are new creatures in Christ Jesus. So important to grasp this. To get the revelation of it in your spirit, in your mind, in your heart. And live it. (laughs) And it will change your life if you haven't appreciated what this means before now. So a third thing that happened, Jesus received our name, Son of Man. We get the use of his name, which carries all authority, like the power of attorney, if you like. And John 14 verse 13 says, And whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And it says in Acts 3, verses 6 to 8, Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his ankle and feet bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. A fourth thing that happens. Jesus gets our sickness and disease. We get his healing. 1 Peter 2 verse 24 says, And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. That's incredible for anyone who has any 
sickness, disease, pain, to actually realize that by Jesus' stripes, the whip he took upon his body that ripped his back open, horrific torture, the stripes that were used to horribly disfigure his body before he went near the cross. He was nearly killed with just the stripes of the whip, the cat of nine tails, which usually was a a whip made of leather and at the end of it there were nine parts to it and each of those strands of the whip had things embedded in them like pieces of glass, pieces of metal, jagged bits of rusty old nails and bits of sharp stone. They were all on this particular whip, the nine strands of it that the Romans used and it inflicted the most excruciating pain as it ripped through the person's skin and their muscle and it yanked it out, bits of it out as they pulled back on the whip bits of the person's skin, bits of their muscle was torn from their body and then it came down again on them and was repeated and many people were given stripes for things that we would consider fairly petty but for a serious crime like what Jesus was accused of by the Pharisees he would be given the maximum amount before it was agreed upon that any more would just kill the person there and then. So the person, well, Jesus Christ was taken to the very limit of torture before he had to walk and pick up his cross and at one point he had to have help because he was clearly He would be bleeding, his back ripped open and the gruesome sight would have been quite sickening and that was as he walked towards Golgotha where he was crucified. So as that was happening to Jesus' body, He took our sickness, our disease upon himself so that 
by his stripes, by the crack of that cat of nine tails whip, we were healed. And like everything else in the kingdom of God, that operates by faith. We need to believe that. We need to believe that God's word is true. And when we speak it out and believe it in faith, we can stand on God's word that we were healed. Past tense. When Jesus went through that, we were healed. Not will be. We were. Past tense. Were healed. And we have to believe that and stand on it. Often with healing, you have to keep standing on that word and believing it in spite of symptoms, in spite of things that look the opposite. And in faith, believing God has healed you, many, many people receive full, complete healing from things that were just impossible to be fixed by doctors or anyone on this earth. But they've had super, natural, miraculous healing in their body and mind by believing that Jesus took our sickness upon his own body as our substitute. It's placed in him all the things that Adam's sin brought into the world. Jesus reversed it all. But he paid this massive price and this torturous whipping of his body brought healing for us. So we need to stand in that, believe it, and receive it. So that's absolutely incredible. And the next thing, Jesus gets our poverty and we get his prosperity. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9, it says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that you, through his poverty, might become rich. And John, see John 1 verse 2 says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. Philippians 4 verse 19 says, But my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So God has never been opposed to people having wealth and riches. He wants us to have enough to meet our own needs abundantly and have some left over to give to others that have needs. That is the biblical standard. And many, many Christians fall far short of that in the way they live their lives. 
again, it's all about faith and receiving and believing. And the next thing, Jesus gets the curse of the law and we get the blessings of Abraham. So Galatians 3 verses 14 and 15 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is anyone who hangs on a tree. In order that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. If you're not sure of what the blessings and curses are, if you read Deuteronomy 28, you'll find them there. Um, the first half of that chapter is the blessing which we receive um, under the law. If I obey the commandments, I will live under God's blessing. But if I fail and break a commandment, this is under the law, then I get the curse of the law. The blessings of God under the law of the old covenant are totally dependent upon my performance. And in the church today, it is really sad how many people are still living under the requirements of the law with a performance-based Christianity, trying to earn God's favour and blessing by what they do. That is a futile, hopeless way to live the Christian life. Performance-based Christianity is actually a counterfeit Christianity. Legalism it's based upon the requirements of the Old Covenant Jewish law. True New Testament Christianity, the New Covenant, it's based upon resting in the finished work of Jesus as being in him. What we talk about a lot. In him and receiving the blessings of that finished work that Jesus did by faith. The next thing that was exchanged was Jesus was forsaken as a son. He was the son of God. He was forsaken. The father turned his back on him on the cross. And Jesus cried out in agony. So Jesus was forsaken as a son, and we become sons of God. It says in Matthew 27, verse 46, And about the ninth hour, Jesus cries out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabbathani. My God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? 1 John 3 verse 1 says, See how great a love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called children of God, 
and such we are. And John 1 verse 12 said, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Romans 8, 14 to 17 says, We are joint heirs with Jesus. The final thing in this great exchange, Jesus experienced rejection from the Father's very presence. And we receive his fellowship with the Father. Wow. 1 John 1 verses 3 and 4 says that you also may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 9 says God is faithful through whom you were called into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. I mean, it's absolutely incredible. Jesus and his Father were separated for three days after Jesus died on the cross. That was the only time in history that they had ever been separated. I mean, we we just can't possibly understand and comprehend how terrible a price God paid for our salvation to become a reality. His own son and Jesus, his beloved father, Jesus did that for you, did that for me. It's just astonishing, it's incredible. But because of this price being paid, we now have access to the fellowship of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. And we can have an intimate relationship, fellowship with the Father, with the Son and with the Holy Spirit. And it's, it's only as a result of Jesus paying this debt for our sin. He paid it all. Hebrews 9 verses 11 to 14 tells us that after the three-day separation, the fellowship of the Father and the Son was restored. When Jesus rose from the grave and ascended into the heavens. A short time later. This occurred so Jesus could present his spilled blood to the Father to pay for the redemption of humanity and to bring about our restoration into fellowship with the Father. This was also when Jesus, he became our high priest before the Father. So that we can now boldly come before the throne of God and stand in total righteousness as a son to present 
our requests. Talks about this Hebrews 4, 14 to 16 and Hebrews 10, 19 to 22. So God himself in Jesus destroyed the barrier of sin between God and humanity. And we can see that in Ephesians 2 verses 4 to 7 and 18 and 19. So these great exchanges that I've just been talking about are just some of the ones recorded in the scriptures. But they are so empowering if you get the revelation about what Jesus has done for you. Because you and I... As born-again believers in Christ, we are not to approach God now as some terrible sinner saved by grace. No, 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 no. We're to approach God as his son in full righteousness. As though we are joint heirs and co-laborers with Jesus. Because... We're seated with Christ at the right hand of God the Father. That's the truth. That's what God's word says. I mean, understanding our covenant with God through Jesus is absolutely amazing. I mean, it it should be revolutionary. (laughs) It should be a game changer in our human existence, in our lives. But sometimes these um, realities, spiritual realities and truths, they don't get worked out in our daily living experience, do they? Are you experiencing the benefits of your covenant with God through Jesus? Do you know what it means to be in him, in Christ? Your position in Christ is to be in him. Talk about that a lot here because it's so important. But what does that actually mean? Well, to be in him is a position that was given to you as a result of God's grace when he became our representative, when Jesus became our substitute in making the blood covenant we call the new covenant in his blood. It's a blood covenant that produces what I've just been talking about as great exchanges. But many Christians have very little understanding of these realities that have been provided for us by the grace of Jesus Christ. It's crucial you understand this because for you to experience what the Bible says that you are and what you have because of your position in Christ, 
you must have an understanding of the difference between your position and your experience in your walk with Jesus. If you understand the principle of your position in Christ, it's the key to spiritual growth and living a fulfilling, spirit-filled Christian life with powers, uh, with power, I beg your pardon, Holy Spirit power, dunamis, and operating in the authority, exousia, and seeing miracles just like Jesus did. We can do that. It all operates by faith, and we also have to have this as a revelation to us who we are in Christ. Because God uses his faith to see the end result when he speaks his word. And God's plan of redemption of humanity, his desires to create a family that are just like his son Jesus. And he's designed his plan and he's executing his plan every time someone enters into covenant with Jesus by being born again and bowing before Jesus as the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. The Father sees his vision coming to pass. Okay, right. So what does that have to do with our position in Christ? The scriptures say things like in Ephesians 2 verse 6, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now my favourite scripture, 1 John, one of them, 1 John 4 verse 17, as he is, so are we in this world. Colossians 3 verse 1, if then you have been raised up with Christ Keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Philippians 3 verse 20, for our citizenship is in heaven. Philippians 4 verse 13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Colossians 1 verse 13, for he delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Colossians 3 verse 3, for you have died and your life is hidden with God, with Christ in God. And Ephesians 1 verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. In Romans 8 verse 1, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 1 John 1 verse 7 And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Romans 8 verse 2 For the law of the spirit of life in Jesus Christ has set you free from the law of sin and death. 1 John 3 verse 2 Beloved, now we are the children of God. And it has not appeared as yet what we shall be. So how can all these things that I've just shared from the word of God here be true in our lives? 
Well, they are true from God's perspective. I mean, this is the magnificent benefit of his grace. Those scriptures let us see how God sees your position in Christ. And it says in Ephesians 2 verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. So grace is the gift of God. It's his unmerited favour. It's his free gift that you or I do not deserve. And his grace is also given to us as a free gift. His Holy Spirit, he gives to us. Jesus said, I I leave uh, the Holy Spirit with you. You're not left um, alone when he ascended back to heaven. He said, I will send the Comforter. So it's him giving us the desire and the ability to do his will through the power of the Holy Spirit to live the life he's called us to. And it's all done by the Spirit of God living within us, causing us to be in union with God himself. Philippians 2 verse 13 says, For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Because remember, we were called out of the kingdom of darkness and born again into the kingdom of God. And we're now learning to live a new life in a new way under the lordship of Jesus Christ. So all of the things I've just mentioned here have been given to you or done for you because of God's gift of grace towards you. He sees you as the recipient of all these realities and it's very important to realise that God's point of view is this. Number one, Eternity. That's his point of view. No beginning or ending. Everything is now. The second thing, from God's point of view, your life is hidden in Jesus. When he sees you, he sees Jesus. And the third thing, from God's point of view, is he sees you as completely finished, as a completely finished product, if you like, totally transformed into the image of Jesus. So why the discrepancy in our walk with the Lord? Well, the problem is our viewpoint. That's why I'm always stressing you need to know who you are in Christ. Your identity is foundational for everything in the kingdom of God. If you don't know who you are, you'll be confused and you will not walk in that life that Jesus wants you to have on earth. So the problem can be your viewpoint. Instead of eternity, everything's measured by time and space. 
and instead of your life being hidden in Christ, the way God sees it, it's down to your experience on this earth. Your experience. And then when God sees you as a completely finished product, if you like, totally transformed from your faulty viewpoint, you see yourself as not like Jesus, uh, hard to believe that's true, there's so much that needs to change. So, if your viewpoint is causing you to view history, you know, <laughs> what's happened only in the present, if you look back at the past and forward to the future, you're not seeing things the way God sees it. He's not bound by time or space. He created it and he's able to view history as a completed fact. Past, present, future are all within God's eternal present viewpoint. It talks about this in Revelation 1 verse 8. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Talks about it in John 8 verse 58. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So we need to look at our experience in living as a Christian and see how it compares to your position in Christ. And if there's a huge discrepancy, then we need to look at the difference then between your position in Christ and your experience in life every day and how to fix that so that your identity is in Christ and you walk in that every single day. It will transform your Christian walk forever if you get this, if you haven't had this revelation before and then you get this, it will change your walk forever. So I hope this blessed you and the next one will be on those very things. How to walk out our position in Christ in this life. In Jesus' name, amen.